1: Uh, What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Week 10 edition of the Pro Football Focus Fantasy Show here on Roto-Grinders. I am Britt Devine, joined by my man, Ian Harditz from Pro Football Focus. Uh, Ian, what is going on, dude? It's a a fun season. It keeps continuing. And uh, I'm just looking for more props, more spreads, more DFS, more if anything else that I could possibly gamble slash prop bet my way into a few extra dollars is pretty cool. I need one of those sweet jerseys you got behind you by the way. Uh what's going on, dude?
2: Yeah, man, we still got another, you know, 3 months to get through before the XFL is back, so this whole this whole NFL thing will have to keep on uh keep on doing it. So, <laughs> but yes sir, this uh you know, powder blue LT, I'd say that and the old uh, black Mike Vick Falcons jerseys two most iconic of my, uh, you know, generation coming up. So, great day to be great Brit and hell of a weekend to talk about.
1: Yeah, let's uh jump right into that. Uh we always like to start this out with Ian's article over on Pro Football Focus, the Mismatch Manifesto, he makes it available for free for everyone on the show to view if you're watching on YouTube or to listen to on the podcast. He also puts a nice tweet storm out about it as well. Uh, let's get right into this explosive play rate. We're looking for some big plays. Uh, basically, first, uh, it's looking pretty bleak out there for in the, in the DFS for actually finding good plays. There's a couple players at each position. Um, I'm trying. Maybe if your people are trying to take down tournaments, maybe we're trying to stay above that 50 50 cash line. We need some big plays. What's looking good this week?
2: I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, man. The Tua, Tyreek, Jalen Waddle connection continues to look awfully good, and this Browns secondary really has been struggling with those deep downfield passes all season long, and I get it. I watch Tua throw deep, and a lot of times it is underthrown, but when the guys are already 10 yards past the defense, it just doesn't matter. You can do PFF pass grade, yards per attempt, passer rating, pick whatever advanced metric you want. The Dolphins are one of the best offenses in the league out throwing the football, and that includes downfield where the Browns have been the weakest. So getting Denzel Ward back should help them a little bit but in gpps especially man with tyreek being priced up that high doesn't seem like a lot of people are going to be on waddle i do think just going right back that Dolphins route could make a lot of sense otherwise we do see some you know splashes for the lions maybe a monra st brown finally gets going Houston, New Orleans. Uh, that 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 matchup against the Steelers could be really interesting, man. We saw with we saw what AJ Brown did to that group uh, last time around. So I honestly think Kenny Pickett could be getting right here soon. Just a brutal sp- opening stretch that he's had to kind of deal with since going under center. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to be great for him more so than just Deontay Johnson, George Pickens getting going a little bit. But Saints and Steelers, those are two defenses that really haven't been playing as well this season as I think a lot of people consider them historically. So Chris Olave someone too, that wouldn't be surprised if we look up and, you know, we see yet another wide receiver one finish after this one's over.
1: Any offenses we should be a little bit concerned about in terms of maybe not producing any chunk plays.
2: Yeah, Cardinals per usual. They look awesome for one or two drives every game, and then it gets rough, and, you know, the Cliff Kingsbury telling us, as he does with pretty much every injured player, Kyler Murray being a game-time decision, just going to be tough to really be able to, you know, have that sort of exposure out there with that game coming, obviously, in the later part of the afternoon. Also, I mean, this Vikings team against the Bills, man, like, if you look at the Vikings, I don't, hey, win is a win is a win, man, but just, I don't want to use the F word or anything with them, but not the most convincing 7-1 team team in the world let's just say so I will be very curious if Josh Allen does get ruled out exactly how much that line will swing their favor because this Bills defense man I think it's because of how good the offense has been that we don't talk about Von Miller and company maybe as much as we should so getting Tredavious White uh, coming back here soon so things are looking up for Buffalo even if Josh Allen isn't in there man I do like the chances of winning at home
1: They had a nice Vikings line right basically as that news uh broke well not really broke but uh as soon as they open up the lines on that one. Now we'll have to see what it comes to uh, on Sunday. If Josh Allen plays or not, uh, I would expect them to probably take a week off, but uh, in the end, who actually knows talk about the ultimate GPP play. If Josh Allen ends up suiting up, no Ooh. one's going to want to pay. No one's going to want to pay for that. That could be, we'll have to see uh, on that one. Uh, let's roll down to uh, pace. We always want some more snaps, maybe avoid some of the games This Denver, Tennessee game looks extremely slow. You can maybe convince me. I did. Bet a couple props on the Denver side in that game. But what game looks faster pace? It looks like the Bills-Vikings game. If Josh Allen's out, maybe it slows down just a little. Usually, I think we talked about this last week, usually there's a bunch of games below 60 seconds. That's just not the lay of the land this year in the
2: NFL not happening this time around so yeah vikings Bills, really the only one that stands out as being you know faster than we would expect i will say man even without josh there i do think like stefan Diggs is a great turn in play this week because they're still going to throw the hell out of the ball this is one of only three teams this year in non garbage time situations throwing the ball on more than 70 percent of their plays and they played the steelers back in like week six i think and they they were up 38 to three you know after the first three quarters so josh allen comes out case keenum had six non kneel-down plays, and five of them were passes, even up 38-3 to in the fourth quarter. So, look, it, honestly, like I think they kind of lost the one running back that we would ever be somewhat worried about, you know, coming in there and getting those 20 carries again and again, and that's Zach Moss, who now plays for the Colts. So, between Singletary, James Cook, and Naeem Hines, like, I don't think they're just going to take the ball out of Keenum's hands just to give it to those guys again and again. So, obviously, the efficiency and touchdown upside for Gabe and Diggs not going to be quite the same without Josh Allen. Under center but the volume could still very much be there but yeah broncos titans saints steelers cardinals rams just some more matchups where i don't think we were you know completely dying to get all that much exposure anyway maybe save for that saints steelers matchup but yeah not expecting a too high of a play total count there
1: yeah the game everyone's going to be stacking up this jacksonville at kansas city game coming in blue looks like it's one of the faster paced games yep uh i actually we will talk about this i like the jacksonville side quite a bit in this one kansas City just ha- hasn't really been doing it so far this year in terms of covering the spread and things like that. Uh, and there's it looks like the ownership is going to be pretty high from the DFS landscape on a couple of these Jacksonville players. So uh, certainly one where the ownership, at least from the pace perspective and everything else is going to be backed up. Uh, all right, let's go to pressure rate. Uh, we want our quarterbacks to have clean pockets. We don't want them being chased around the field. What quarterbacks uh, should have all day to throw. What are some quarterbacks? we might want to avoid, at least in terms of being running around uh, on the field behind their offensive line.
2: Again, we talked about St. Steelers maybe not having that many plays, but the ones they do have, man, could be efficient. We're seeing that again here without with so little pressure being expected for both Dalton and Kenny Pickett. So It's always nice when you get these guys popping on multiple charts. We do have the explosive plays and the pressure going in the good direction for all those pass catchers. You can also see Jacoby Brissett, uh, Trevor Lawrence, and Kyler Murray should have ample time to throw. The Trevor Lawrence plays is interesting i mean christian kirk is someone that's going to be pretty chalky i think with his target volume under 6k on DraftKings, but zay jones is still someone that gives you that nice price discount evan ingram with the back thing might be scaring people off just a little bit maybe even travis Etienne starts getting going in the passing game that's been the most surprising part about his just ascension up into the rb1 heights because he still hasn't even been tapping into what his receiving workload of ceiling could really be so chiefs have allowed the most receptions to opposing running backs this year Lawrence CTN stacks, I've heard crazier ideas out there. Some offenses with a lot of pressure, though. Titans, Cowboys, Vikings, and Rams. Now, with the Packers, I mean, they obviously are losing a lot of their, uh, you know, best defensive players here in the last week. So I wouldn't be too overly concerned about that Cowboys offense. And we'll get to one of my favorite, I think, props of the season here in a little bit, Britt. But that Dalton Schultz uh, line looking awfully low, especially considering, um, again, some of the losses that the Packers have on defense right now
1: yeah I saw that I immediately bet it when I saw you write it up it did not work I went to the Antonio Gibson well last week that did not work out well um, so I'm hoping this one works out a little a little better that, just, that
2: whole thing man like <laughs> I asked Twitter and I was like what, what is one thing on the football field that Brian Robinson actually does better than Antonio yeah, Gibson I I, I I can't it seems like they're just still making decisions based on what they saw in August and it's it, it sucks that maybe Robinson isn't back to being his nominal self but like that's the reality of the situation it's just a, it's another their head coach uh you know seemingly making a perplexing running back decision what is new
1: all right yards before contact uh, i've got uh i'm basically well i, I changed one of mine just pre-show uh, i've got a couple running back props i'm going to talk about uh, in the prop section here uh, what's looking good in terms of clean running between the tackles getting plenty of yards before you're hit uh, that's what i want my running backs to do there's a couple uh specifically one that's going to be very chalky in dfs that uh, at least to me is looking pretty good this week
2: Yeah, Jamal Williams, man. I do worry a little bit if DeAndre Swift could finally get that workload increasing, but still limited in both practices to start the week, so if he enters Sunday with another questionable tag, even though I think he'll play, it would make sense. It's Jamal just keeps on seeing those you know, close to 20 carries per game, and this Bears defense, even when they had Quinn and Roquan Smith out there, was already one of the league's worst run defenses. Now when you take those guys away, I think we're going to see more and more games like last week against the Dolphins, where that over is just getting smashed, so Chicago, does now have the offense to help, you know, hold up their end of the bargain to an extent. And again, I don't think that defense is anywhere close. Also looking good for Alvin Kamara, Travis Etienne out there. And we do have TJ Watt coming back for the Steelers, obviously getting, you know, the AP defensive uh, MVP from last season. Going to make a big difference in that, but still man, you know, we talked about the Gibson miss. Alvin Kamara only had, I think, three catches on a Monday Night Football, so that was disappointing as well. I wouldn't overly worry about it with either guy, especially Kamara uh, considering Mark Ingram being, out. was him a near every down roll so i do like going back the album Kamara well and i think he's even cash viable if you can not get enough money to get up there
1: all right let's keep moving through here combined yards per drop back we want uh quarterbacks that are chucking the ball down the field when they drop back it's uh looking pretty similar the uh that miami offense mike mcdaniel's got two very speedy wide receivers uh a quarterback that can hit them in the short to medium maybe even a little bit longer down the field the underthrows to Tyree Hill aren't so bad because he's just so wide open it doesn't really matter but it looks like the dolphins in this game uh, against Cleveland look pretty
2: juicy yeah. And again, this Browns defense, I mean, they usually have been good for one or two coverage busts a game just on the season, defending passes thrown at least 20 yards downfield. They're 29th and pass rating allowed 31st in yards per attempt 28th in explosive pass play rate. So it's one of those things where I want to maybe show on anointing Tua and company a tad, because let's face it, they faced the bears and freaking lions over the past two weeks. Like if we could pick two secondaries to go off on, they're probably going to be, you know, in that overall discussion. So, you know, only I go back three weeks to find, and that you know rather terrible performance against the Steelers on Sunday night football where he had about four interceptions dropped that said I don't think this Browns defense has enough to be able to totally keep them quiet so again man GPP is just Tua, Tyreek, Waddle it hasn't been broke so far Um, I don't feel the need to fix it.
1: Uh, any quarterbacks that might be a, a little bit uh short-arming not having a, a lot of deep passes here we know the Titans no one's touching that passing game right now anything else on the main slate we want to take a peek at?
2: I guess with Daniel Jones being, you know, him and Justin Fields seem to kind of be the two main cash quarterbacks this week. And I get it. The rushing upside is there, and especially for Fields, seeing what he can do. But with Jones, man, I just, this to me feels way more like just a Saquon Barkley game than anything I want to get too involved with with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones this season, Britt, has six passing touchdowns. Six like all season he hasn't passed 220 passing yards in a game yet so hey we can talk about you know him having a bunch of banged up receivers Kenny Galladay might be playing maybe that's uh, exactly what the offense needs just get the mannequin back out there and see what he can uh get going there but again I would caution a little bit Wandale Robinson is cheap enough and he's you know kind of just his PPR friendly target hog where I think he's an exception but otherwise I really would try to stay away from that uh Giants passing game
1: all right let's see I'm just trying to Some Josh Allen news. I see. Well, we'll have to see what Josh Allen does. If he plays, it'll be a little interesting uh, by the time Sunday rolls around. All right, let's finish this out. Combined EPA per play. What is standing out here to me? uh, It looks like one of the first bets I made was this, after all those injuries the Packers had, uh, was Dallas minus four and a half. The line, it's up to like four, or it it got up to five and a half in my favor. Now it's back to basically where it was. or even four here. Just looks like a complete and utter mismatch. Uh, On the Dallas side, at least in terms of EPA per play.
2: Yeah, it's one of the biggest mismatches of the week. in this, the other ones being Buffalo, but obviously with with uh, Josh Allen status, uh, we don't exactly know what's going on there. And then also the Giants over the Texans, I think more so a testament to just how bad Houston has kind of been generally this year than overall Giants dominance. But still makes sense for them to you know maybe be getting a little bit of love there, especially at home, coming off of that buy. So another, I believe, you know, last two weeks the uh, money line dogs here. The I'm sorry, just if you would have taken the money line on the under. That have a relative offensive advantage back to back two in one weeks. And this week we have the Broncos and the Cardinals sticking out as teams with a relative offensive advantage, but they are in fact underdogs. So, again, with the Kyler thing, that kind of complicates that situation. But yeah, Russell Wilson and this Broncos team, man, if they're going to get right, you would hope it'd be after the bye and kind of lost in how disappointing that offense has been, is the fact that, you know, Patrick Sertan and company on that defensive side of the ball, this is one of the best defenses in the entire NFL. So, just from that alone, I do think they have a chance to, uh, you know, maybe win an ugly game against the Titans.
1: Yeah, I'm betting the Broncos right now. I just saw right before the show uh, a whole bunch of defensive players for.
2: Yeah, I know uh, Tennessee. That too.
1: Tennessee just got ruled out, so uh, I'm just going to go in here and get a little plus three. Found that uh, on MGM mm-hmm. on the Broncos. Uh, get that up right now. i uh, will live on the show. Uh, all right, as always, guys. If you wanted to read this, uh, you can either go to Ian's Twitter. Or you have to have a pro football focus subscription. You can get it relatively cheap over there, not only to read Ian's article, but just about anything else you'd want to read about from fantasy or football, including all the player grades. I use the grades all the time when making some of my DFS and betting decisions. Uh, it's been working out. No need to change that. Uh, a great service PFF provides and absolutely recommend it. Uh, All right. Let's jump into some bets here. Let's see. No, no bet. MGM. I do not want to bet college football right now. I would like to bet the NFL. uh, Okay. Let's jump into some bets here. Wasn't the greatest week for me. I lost both of my spreads and my props. I think I won one and two. So thankfully it's been a good enough season. I can afford a down week. I am looking to bounce back in a big way. My favorite bet on the board without question this week, Uh, is the Jags at plus nine and a half. I don't understand this. The Chiefs are 0-4 against the spread at home this year. They barely beat the Titans with a skeleton offense. All they have to do is stop Derrick Henry. They can barely do that. Uh, The Jags are plus 21 point differential on the year while having a big losing record. This is going to be a relatively close game, in my opinion. I I could even see the Jags winning this game somehow. I know Patrick Mahomes at home is always tough to beat but just the spread is way off in this one I I would put this at like six and a half six something like that if I was making the line so to get it across the seven even approaching almost 10 the Jags plus nine and a half just looks way too good Uh, I know the Chiefs offense passed a lot uh, against the the Titans but the Titans defense uh, is for all those yards that Patrick Mahomes was putting out was playing pretty good and I think Jacksonville their offense is is pretty good i think they're in a really good spot this week i like them for dfs Uh, i like all the players i like lawrence i like etn i like uh, i know kirk and jones are are gonna get quite a bit of run at least in ownership from our our projections i'm looking at right now but that line is just way too off for me so jags plus nine and a half on my favorite bet of the week right now what are you looking at ian i've got another one i'll talk about in just a second
2: I like that call. I mean, look, Jaguars, ETM, we've seen it all year. They've had one of the more efficient running games, and Trevor Lawrence, man, we saw in week two, week three, and finally last week in week nine. I mean, when he plays really as well as he can play, this team is pretty tough to beat out there, so he was PFF's second-highest-graded quarterback last week and just, again, made a bunch of nails throws. It was good to see that side of him again. God forbid we start piecing some of those performances together, Jaguars could be making a little bit of noise down the stretch, but three bets I like, you know, 13-13 and one on the season. Let's go ahead and get in the green for once over here. I do like the Seahawks plus two and a half in Germany against the Buccaneers. I just think we're still giving this Buccaneers team too much credit for what they did in 2020 and 2021, not in 2022. So the Seahawks, just every single week, man, are facing teams that have objectively, objectively been worse than them, usually on both offense and defense this year, and we're still seeing them, you know, getting points. So plus two and a half for a team that just, again, been better than the Buccaneers on offense for sure. I mean, we're talking about the fourth-ranked scoring offense on on the season and even on defense man they picked their you know picked their shit up here over the last month or so of action so Seahawks plus two and a half if slash when Josh Allen gets ruled out like on Sunday I'm going to be taking whatever the hell that line ends up at I know right now it's three and a half even if it I just wanted to get down off that number if we can get three or under then that'd be fantastic so again I just think that Case Keenum and company have enough weapons out there to beat a Vikings team that again this could be the fourth backup quarterback they played and okay when it's Taylor Heineke that's one thing but when it's actually an offense and a team like the bills again if we were just ranking the entire rosters in the nfl we know how special josh allen is but the bills would be up there i think in most people's top five just in terms of even non-quarterback rosters in the league i don't know you can say the same for the vikings so i'll take the bills uh just at that number without josh allen and then finally the lions and bears over 48 and a half one of the hits last and i don't think they're adjusting fast enough to life on this bears team really good offense suddenly and a really bad defense oh wait that's exactly what the lions have been for most nope. of the season as well so looking at what uh you know kevin ross always excellent coverage over at rotor grinders doing his nfo weather report his quote it's cold but otherwise fine temps in the 30s 10 mile per hour winds we got the grain so it's a go lions bears over 48 and a half
1: yeah i like the bears so my other one uh, i'm going to talk about on the show is the bears minus two and a half this just seems very far off from this new look Bears offense. The Lions, outside of Amon Ross St. Brown, right? they traded away T.J. Hawkinson. There's no other wide receivers. DeAndre Swift is still banged up, and he's clearly their best running back, as good as Jamal Williams has been, but Swift is very dynamic, and if he's just not getting a full workload, there's very little offense, in my opinion, for Jared Goff. He's been struggling. Coincidentally, his wide receivers, no T.J. Hawkinson, right? I think there's a lot going on there. Chicago offense has it figured out. Uh, you got the Dome team going outdoors in the cold in Chicago. Uh, Bears can't stop anyone not named Aaron Rodgers. Never thought I'd say that, but, uh, the, the, but this, everything's looking. It's two and a half on Bet Rivers. I think it was three, just about everywhere else. Uh, I will definitely take the two and a half on Bet Rivers. I bet that this morning. I uh, Love that line. I could definitely see the over as well. More so on the bear side. I, I'm even, I have, I didn't do it yet, but I'll take some alt spreads. I'll, I'll bet this up to like, I'll take like a, Uh, five. I'll take a seven and a half. I'll take a 10 and a half. I'll take a 14 right on the Bears side. I think this could be close to a bloodbath. I know the bears don't have a great defense, but I'm really worried about that lions offense, not being able to keep up with this uh, new look bears team who surprisingly, uh, I mentioned this on the show I did on Tuesday. We do like a prop show or actually it was Wednesday this week. I don't understand Ian, right? You're, you're more of the football guy. I'm more of like a fantasy type player. How, how can an NFL coach and coaching staff have a player like Justin Fields? We saw this with Maggie, right? That's why you got can go into the season and not have, we've got Justin Fields, maybe we should let him run. I, I don't know. And then it takes to like a mini bye week for them to be like, we've got Justin Fields, let's let him run. Let's copy other teams' playbooks and run Justin Fields. How does that happen in the NFL? It makes no sense to me that it takes an in-season adjustment to realize that you have a player that's capable like Justin Fields to do something like that.
2: It was an off, it kind of happened last season too. And I know that you go ahead and you're switching coaching staffs and all that, but you know, again, they were looking at this guy for the entire off season through preseason and for it to really take until week five or six. I agree with you. I don't have a good answer there. Credit to them for finally doing it, you know, better late than never, but no, but that's the same thing with Claypool where the the discussion's like, you know, the bears are feeling good about field. So they wanted to go bring in some outside help. And it's like, maybe you could have done that. I don't know, at any point in the off season, like just a little bit instead of going in with Byron Pringle and Vilas Jones. And, you know, again, Darnell Mooney's fine, but how much cooler would it be if he was like your number two or number three out there? Just uh, just unfortunate because, hey, man, if you want to go ahead and look at all those quarterbacks from last year, I think Justin Fields, you can argue, has had the highest highs, especially in fantasy land because that's sweet, sweet rushing upside.
1: Yeah, let's get to the prop section here. Speaking of Justin Fields, I've been on this. I think I had it last week. I think I had it the week before. Uh, it's still only 57 and a half. That's Justin Fields rushing yards. I'm going back to this again. Still think it's too low. Last week on scores and odds, it, it was at 49 and a half. And I said, it's a few yards too low. It was only hundred yards plus too low. And I think it's still too low at 57 and a half. It's his new offense. They're running him. Uh It's the Lions. Why wouldn't you want to just keep riding this uh, if he's going to average so many attempts, so many yards? He's obviously very good. Uh, on his feet when he's running the ball here. So 57 and a half, Justin Fields, just, uh, still a little bit too low. If once it, if he has another, you know, 70, 80, or, you know, a hundred plus yards, and this gets up into like the 65 ish range, I'm, I'm probably going to jump off of it, but if it stays under 60, I'm going to be riding the Justin Fields rushing yards. Uh, the other couple others I got, I got Damian Pierce is at seventy-seven and a half. and a half. This is another one that makes no sense to me. He's over in five of his last six. Uh, Giants 25th in PFF Rush Grade D, and they're the, allowing the third highest yards before contact. Uh, that was on a Gridiron High Q tool, and Houston's getting the seventh most, most yards before contact uh, when they're running the ball here. This just seems way too low. This is uh, 100 plus yards. I've uh, as soon as the ladders come out on FanDuel or DraftKings, uh, I will be laddering this up to as high as they allow. If they allow me to do a 125 or a 150. I'll take it. Enormous touch volume. Absolutely love Damian Pierce. That 113 was on Bet Rivers. I got that this morning. And another one, uh, I like Kenneth Walker. I took him off the show sheet because I found another one that's even better. Is Donovan Peoples-Jones is at 43.5 receiving yards. He's had five straight of at least 50 yards, right? But four of those five have been over 70 yards. Mm-hmm. So why is this line of 43.5 against the Dolphins? This makes no sense to me. And, and who has been ruled out. I jumped on this as soon as I uh, saw Njoku. It was definitely ruled out. 43 and a half, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Like him in DFS this week. Like him on the props. This should be in the 50s. Uh, they're giving me a gift. Uh, I think I found that on MGM. So those are my three props. Fields over 57 and a half. Damian Pierce over 77 and a half. And uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones over 43 and a half. Uh, let's go 3-0, and Ian. Who are you looking at?
2: I like the DPJ call. That is just probably a good eight yards uh, too low. At least the the only one thing I would say is Damian Pierce. He has been limited this week with chest and shoulder injuries. So just make sure he's going to be out there with his usual workload. But the fact he's been limited, you wouldn't think that he's going to be out there having just that. So three props for you guys here, 14, 16 on the season. Let's go ahead and get over in the green for both of them. Why the hell not? I will say the Tyler Higby player props for all the Rams are, you know, just all them period aren't out because of the Matthews. Stafford concussion protocol, but if we can still get an under, like that's just even somewhere in the thirties, cause it's going to be maybe based on his entire year production, instead of what really has been a dramatic role shift for him over these past three weeks In weeks one through five, he ran a route on 85% of Matthew Stafford's dropbacks, but ever since man, 61%, 42% and 59%. Look at that offensive line. It's horrendous. So the solution has been the key pig to block more and more and more. So, it's also reflected in snap rates. I mean, look, he just hasn't been able to get anything going. Three catches for just 22 yards over the last three weeks, which makes sense. The two worst five game stretches, you could argue, of Sean McVay's tenure with the Rams have come when they were force feeding Tyler Higby the ball. So that's never been their intended offense. And I don't think that's going to ever change back to being that way, at least this season. So Tyler Higby unders, again, if they're even close to 30, 40 yards, I will be smashing those unders. Uh, sticking with the tight end theme, I love Dalton Shore over 31 and a half receiving errors at DraftKings. Definitely my favorite of the week because I think it's clearly similar to Higby. Like, I think this is a prop that's just, it's only looking at his overall production on the season. He's averaged 33 and a half receiving errors this year. So 31 and a half seems reasonable. If you look at it, though, only three games with Dak, seven catches, 62 yards on nine targets, five catches, 49 yards on five targets, six catches, 74 yards on seven targets. And that's why Schultz unfortunately had to play through this knee injury, but he's had a bye week to get right. So I think he's going to be out there more and more. He's got this obvious, you know, a, a then going with Dak where we continue to see him get fed and the only problem is that he's facing this Packers defense that fair play to him they've allowed a league low 216 receiving yards to opposing tight ends but man they just lost Eric Stokes their slot corner for the season Devondre Campbell is going to be missing at least this week you know their best linebacker so I just think that with all those injuries on defense and when you look just a little bit closer at the teams that the Packers have actually played so the tight ends Err Smith, Cole Komet, Cam Brait, Hunter Henry, Daniel Bellinger. Okay, you know, we got Tyler Conklin with the Jets. Washington's been rotating. Dawson Knox and the Lions without Hawkinson. So, again, that's basically eight, nine games where you're not really even playing teams that you'd expect to be feeding the tight end all, uh, all that much in the first place. So, I don't think they're like a bad defense against tight ends. Obviously not. But I don't think they're the juggernaut that we should like, be a- actively fading. So, giving the Schultz over 31 and a half receiving yards. And then finally, Alan Lazard over 54 and a half receiving yards, minus 115 over at DraftKings. Last five games, he said 116, 35. He missed it, but then 76, 55, even when he was limited, and then 87 last week. So Dobbs, Cobb, they're both out. Sammy Watkins is, you know, questionable potentially. Christian Watson's out of the concussion protocol, but that's been a weird situation. So overall this season, Lazard, 100 yards or a touchdown in all of his non-injured games. I like him keeping on, keeping on, because who else is Rogers going to throw the ball to at this point?
1: Yeah, I bet that Schultz one, as soon as I saw you writing it on the show sheet, uh, I couldn't believe it was a 31 and a half. I'm, I'm always scrolling through scores and odds to see what's what. but some You you miss gems like that every once in a while. So I'm uh, happy to, that's to get that's what I'm there for now. Yeah. Uh, all right. That's uh, going to end our prop and betting section. Uh, if you ever want to, speaking of scores and odds, uh, if you ever want to check that out, you can. If you want to find out, hey, where is the Dalton Schultz 31 and a half? What's the best book to get that? You can get that for free on Scores and Odds along with just about any prop in the world. Uh, and then if you want the picks from the Roto-Grinders crew, uh, like uh, I, I put the Cowboys out at four and a half on Monday morning. Uh, the line, it moved in my favor. Now it's sort of moved back. But uh, along with everybody else there, I know our NFL team is up big. Our basketball team's up big. Every every team's up big. If you like PGA, just, you can just blindly bet anything uh, Notorious puts out and expect to make a ton of money on that. Uh, great little subscription if you're looking to uh, access some premium picks from a sports betting side. Uh, All right, DFS. Let's talk that now. Uh, Pretty weak week overall. There's no huge totals. There's not really a lot going... There's no no big totals in the NFL at all anymore. Anyway, but it looks like the uh, Chiefs-Jaguars game looks like it's going to be the main one. We're going to start a quarterback. And props on you for calling Justin Fields as a cash game play. Uh, That one... It was like 50% of the people on DraftKings had that by the time the the week ended up. So that ended up really good. Uh, I'm on board with Fields at at cash at a discount this week. What is he, 6,500? If you have the money, Mahomes looks pretty juicy against the Jaguars. He's just, they literally just can't run the ball at all against anybody. They're just like, hey, we got Patrick Mahomes. Why don't we let him throw the ball a lot? Seems pretty rational, right? Why don't we have Justin Fields? Why don't we let him run a lot? Seems pretty rational. Finally, we have a, a couple of rational coaches doing nice things in here. Those look like the top two. Everything else looks pretty whack, and you're just throwing darts, in my opinion, from a cash game. Uh, If you don't have one of those two, to me, you're probably doing it wrong. I know Daniel Jones is getting some steam, uh, but I'll, I'll take my chances with the other two.
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I do think Fields is going to be the answer, though, again. I mean, 1400 cheaper than Mahomes on DraftKings, only 200 cheaper on FanDuel. So I still think, I mean, again, same kind of rationale last week. I mean, I was naming the guys that were, like, priced more than Justin Fields. It was just insulting to see how he was still priced that low. So the fact that he has gotten up, okay, but it probably still isn't quite high enough. So it's him, again, or I think Daniel Jones at 5.7K. But, again, I have enough concerns about the overall Giants passing game that it's just too promising for me with jones so i think trevor lawrence at 5.4 would be about as cheap as i'm willing to go because he's just kind of got a little bit of that fields vibe where it's like i don't i don't think lawrence deserves to be ahead of guys like jared goff and andy dalton just as kind of like a slap in the face that he's not because he does have far more rushing upside and you can even argue passing upside uh in the specific matchup with them likely having to air the hell out of it as a nine and a half point dog so trevor lawrence would really be the only other guy that i'd bring up with that in terms of tournaments uh I do think Lawrence is plenty viable with that, and I know the ownership's flat enough at quarterback that we can still go to guys like Fields and Mahomes anyway. But, again, man, Tua, Tyreek, and Waddle. I think it's a week where you can actually do that and differentiate your lineup a little bit because Tyreek is going to cost you so much to get up to him. I want, like, 9.1K. Jalen Waddle's mm-hmm. price tag is no longer that big of a discount. So, yeah, it's going to cost you to get up there. But I think in a week where a lot of the value is, again, you know, in that 5-6K range, just going with more of a Rags Rich's approach might be an easy way to differentiate it in the old GPP.
1: Yeah, who doesn't want a guaranteed, what, 25 fantasy points as your floor on DraftKings from Tyreek Hill? It sure seems like that. I think Hill's <laughs> going to be reasonably popular. To a Tyreek Waddle, that is a very expensive stack, though. You're going to you run it back with DPJ, uh, and then you you don't really have a lot of money left to, to fix we'll that. We'll,
2: we'll get some Tanner Hudson at tight end, mid price, yeah. maybe.
1: The, the problem is running back because the cheap running backs are pretty. Not good this week, in my opinion. So you need the expensive one. Uh, I like T-Law in a tournament. You can stack them a multitude of ways. It looks like Zay Jones and Christian Kirk specifically are going to be reasonably owned uh, on our early ownership projection run at Roto-Grinders. I don't mind stacking them with ETN. ETN is going to, one, he's going to run wild all over Kansas City. This is a a total mismatch. Uh, They're giving him huge touch volume that's basically unmatched in the NFL right now. And then if they fall behind, I think this is where we might actually see that ETN passing game unlock. So he could have a nuclear game, in my opinion. Love him, uh, stacked with Trevor Lawrence in a tournament, uh, and then I'm I'm looking, man. It's come to it's week ten. There's a lot of buys. There's a Germany game. Russell Wilson against Tennessee. Hey, right. So no. they, a, bunch, no, a bunch of people just got ruled out in that Tennessee defense. I just For took sure. them plus three live as we were doing the show. Uh, it's probably not Russell, but like, this is what you got to reach to. If you're not playing one of the names we mentioned, it's very bleak out there. Maybe I wouldn't play Russell Wilson. Maybe I just reach for one of the receivers instead or play. Dulich is going to be pretty, or Dulich is going to be uh, pretty high owned as a tight end. So maybe I run it out there with a Judy or a Court and Sutton. Uh, I like the Judy props too. I didn't mention that on the show. I have so many props. I bet, uh, but I like the Jerry Judy prop at 50 and a half, take the over on that one. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting too desperate. <laughs>
2: He had the one uh I mean actually it's like one of my only like near helicopter hits this year. He had that one like top four finish against the Raiders earlier. drop it, or drop it
1: stuff. this week. <laughs> Bring it back. So
2: <laughs> the one thing the one thing I will say with the Titans, I mean, the fact that they do have all those injured guys uh this week, I think helps it because I think some of their stats have been inflated by just having the Chiefs and Bills, you know, put up a bunch of numbers against them. But who don't the Chiefs and Bills put up a, a bunch of numbers against? So having those injuries, okay, I don't think it's the craziest thing in the world, man. Moving on now to uh, some of the running backs i mean again pierce yeah 6.3k need to get him in there like, just make sure he's fully healthy but i i am guessing he's fine i'm going to have a designation going into that i do think if we want to save like especially man if you're going to get to Mahomes and cash you're going to have to try to save money somewhere so i think jamal Williams at 5.9k that would need to be in the lineup If not, then okay. I think we can get up to someone like Alvin Kamara, potentially at 7.4K. But again, just not that much uh, area, not that many areas to save a bunch of cash this week. So I think I'll have to go Pierce, Jamal Williams, and then hopefully Saquon Barkley. I am team Saquon over Derrick Henry this week just because, look, again, that Broncos defense is nasty. That Houston defense is not. They have allowed the overall RB1 or the overall RB2 in five of their eight games this season. This has not been a bad run defense. This has been a horrific run defense. So, Saquon Barkley coming off the bye. I mean, don't forget, Derrick Henry last week, only 15 carries. He kind of popped up on the injury report with the foot. That was actually kind of a rest. But I'm not 100% convinced that they want to go out there and give Henry the same sort of work that I think Saquon will get. So, Saquon, Jamal, Damian Pierce, that's what I'm thinking right now for Cash.
1: Yeah, I like Pierce. I'm very, very high on ET. Uh, i might even sneak him in over elvin kamara just the workload i know kamara i'm just worried walton's offense is just it's so limited i think and what they can do and there's just not a lot of playmakers outside of kamara and a lot i think that's fair I
2: guess and
1: fair. so I, i'm i'm very very high on etn i have no problem i might even play him in cash we'll see if i end up being a donkey for that one but i like him uh and then i had uh for tournaments maybe jamal williams i think if you know, falls into the end zone twice, 15 carries, 80 yards that can certainly get there, especially if, if Pierce and, or let's say like Saquon or Derrick Henry, one of them doesn't do it. A Jamal, you know, getting there with Jamal Williams for even, you know, probably needs the touchdown for sure. But even like, if he just cracks the hundred yard bonus or even doesn't get that, that could play easily for a Jamal Williams type. And the other one is Chubb. Uh, always like Chubb in a tournament. Uh, They're going to need to score. If the game gets out of hand, it depends which side of this game you like. But if the game does stay close, I only think it's a a three-and-a-half spread. Does Chubb break the 30-plus-yard touchdown run? And then if he does it twice, you're going to need that guy. And he's always low-owned, so certainly don't mind playing a Nick Chubb in a tournament. Anything else really standing out to you at the running back position, Ian?
2: Najee Harris 5.5 K home against the Saints defense Uh, that they just had a shutout two weeks ago and they're still only 29th in scoring like again it's just this both defense like the Saints and the Steelers really getting more buy on their reputation than what they've actually been bringing to the table this year so Marshawn Lattimore is still going to be out like it's just a banged up defense that I don't think is necessarily going to be able to keep this Steelers offense completely under wraps so again if you just look at Najee as a 5.5k back that we're expecting to get 15 to 20 touches at home coming off a of bye like if he just again covered up his name and forgot everything he knew about how unexplosive he can be at times I think he would be a lot more behind the guys. so I I I know there's been some talks and whispers about Jalen Warren maybe getting this featured role after the bye. But, man, when you really look at it, I think it's reporters more or less hoping that happens or maybe thinking it could happen down the stretch. Mike Tomlin basically gave his usual answer, which is, yeah, we love what Jalen's doing. If he keeps on playing well, you know, we'll give him – more touches because like what else is he going to say at that point but they actually asked Jalen warren i think specifically if his practice reps had increased and he said no so it does look like Najee still going to be that guy hopefully he is a little bit healthier coming off that buy and again just 5.5k on a slate where we don't have really many cheap rb options i do think Najee can you know hopefully give you a nice lift and go under own because of guys like jamal williams just a little bit more final note would be josh jacobs 7.6k man look the three down roll really hasn't gone anywhere it's just kind of been unlucky these last couple weeks but he still looks great out there i mean last week unfortunately he just didn't have much room to run 66 of his 67 rushing yards came after contact him he forced 11 missed tackles on just 17 carries out there it makes sense that leon him more than ever without darren waller and now hunter renfro in the picture i mean this colts team there's ever a team that's maybe about to kind of quit and give in on the, give up on the season. I would think it's being one you know led by Jeff Saturday at this point. And oh hey look who uh, all of a sudden oh wow dog barking we're hyped. See that's another good sign to go with Josh Jacobs. So oh hey look what happened. Thursday, DNP for one Shaquille Leonard due to a new back and ankle injury. So, look, this is already a Colts run defense. They've allowed, I mean, I believe it's 125 rushing yards in four of their last six games out there. The Jaguars went for 250 against these guys a few weeks ago. Already a front seven that we're not really that terrified of. So, again, you take away Shaquille Leonard from that, who, I don't know, up and down year, we can say that. But usually when he's right, one of the better linebackers in the league, I think Josh Jacobs is 7.6K. We've seen the multi even three touchdown upside this year. Wouldn't be surprised if he gets back to that this week.
1: When the door knocks, the beagle barks. That's the, that's, what, that's what happens there around we go. this house. So uh all right, let's move to the wide receiver position. Uh f- first off, can we get to the Tyreek Hill in cash? There's a couple other guys. I think he's my preferred option right now. I've seen some optimals between the Blitz and the Roto Grinders projections. I'm not don't recall exactly which one there's some lineups you can get them in there, especially if you don't play like Mahomes, at quarterback, and maybe you sacrifice one of the other wide receiver positions on someone you actually don't want to play. The Like, you, you can go that way. The mid-tier with uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, he dudded last week, but, I mean, the target share is going to be absolutely through the roof. It's against the Bears. I like him in the mid-tier. What are you looking at? And, like, the mid-tier guys, I'm looking at, like, Rondale Moore is getting a bajillion targets, but if – Kyler Murray doesn't play. I might back off of that just a little bit. Uh, He is, I'd expect Kyler Murray to play, but he's been labeled a game time decision. Uh, We got Mac Hollins, who, what was he like week one or week two, one of those, he had a a, a thousand points. He's sort of in the same position again. It's against this Colts team you just mentioned. Uh, Don't mind him unless it's Devontae Adams getting all the run. Mac Hollins looks like he's going to be next in line to get some targets. So it's like Hill and a couple of scrubs, or you go to the mid tier with those guys I mentioned.
2: Yeah, I think Stefan Gilmore is going to be tracking Devontae Adams all over the field, too. So that's going to be mean nothing but good things for Matt Collins grossest potential play is actually a 3K Kendall Hinton. No, not the quarterback. The wide receiver KJ Handler has already been ruled out for that game. Facing a Titans defense with a lot of guys out, as Britt said. Look, I'm not going to be playing Kendall Hinton, but hey, if you do want a 3K wide receiver, that would be my guy for you. I do think it's going to be a little too hard to get up to Tyreek this week. So there are some nice volume target hogs, though, in that 5K range. Christian Kirk at 5.9 and Deontay Johnson at 5.8. Again, Marshall Sean Lattimore likely going to miss this one. Even Marcus may their safety could be out as well. So I know 76 freaking targets without a touchdown for Deontay Johnson, Chris Goblins in second with 65. The man is due. And Hey man, we don't give NFL coaches a lot of credit, but shout out Doug Peterson after week six. I'm sorry, before week six, he said that Deontay, I'm sorry, Christian Kirk needs to be someone getting nine, 10, 11 targets per game. Since then he has actually had a nice uptick. And accordingly, we've seen him get back into some of that really solid fantasy production. So, on the season, I mean, Christian Kirk is actually tied with Chris Alave and CeeDee Lamb in terms of PPR points per game, but he plays for Jaguars, and it's Christian Kirk, so we don't really give him the same respect, even with the pricing Uh with that. I think one of the other cheap guys is Wandale Robinson at 4.7K. He kind of dudded before the buy, which was disappointing to see. Uh Still does project to be the target leader on this offense, if it's not going to be Saquon moving forward. I just don't like having Wandale and Saquon in the same cast lineup, so something to think of there. And I agree with you at Rondale more five point two K the thing with Rondale that we've been able to trust, man, and honestly, I'd peep his uh, reception over prop as well. When he gets this full-time prop role, man, it has been nothing but good games for him. He has had two duds since he's been back, and those, not coincidentally, were the games where A.J. Green was out with an injury and Robbie Anderson wasn't on the team and then played like 10 snaps in his first game. So those are the games where Rondale had to play on the outside, and he just wasn't getting fed the same sort of volume when he's in that slot. You know, like People wanted him to have this like higher average target depth. It's the opposite, I think think we want that you know kind of earlier season Curtis Samuel role where we don't exactly expect Kyler in this offense sadly to be able to know consistently hit these big plays give me the six seven receptions underneath and full PPR and let Rondell let Rondell make some magic after the catch which to be fair he's been starting to do more than ever lately
1: Uh, a couple GPP plays Uh, if you're looking for a swerve off Damian Pierce ownership uh, we got to see Brandon Cooks or Nico Collins Collins was sort of outperforming Cooks but it, that's pretty gross. But Pierce is going to be so highly owned. I don't hate it if they're the ones to get the touchdowns. Uh, I, I don't know. It's pretty clear. Davis Mills was a little okay at the end of the year last year, but yeah. it is clear he's clearly not an NFL caliber starting. I'm just back. worried,
2: dude. I'm just worried about like Cooks not getting his full time job. I mean, he's yeah. Give
1: me Colin. Give me Nico then if he's as long yeah. He's
2: coming back. off the groin injury. I don't know. I think the answer is no. To be honest with you.
1: All right. right, Maybe I'll heed your advice on that one. Of course, <laughs> is Donovan Peoples-Jones. If you can't get Amari Cooper, so Amari Cooper on the road is a no. Donovan Peoples-Jones is a yes. The prop, everything is pointing to a DPJ. Big game, in my opinion, with Njoku out. Absolutely love that. And then I know you mentioned Adams might get some shadow coverage, uh, Devontae Adams. But if everybody, if ever, like, he, it does, like sometimes it just doesn't matter. Sometimes Devontae Adams is better. And I think he still is pretty good. And there's really no one else to throw the ball to. Uh, so if it's not Matt Collins, who I think's ownership's going to get high. And Tyreek Hill, like, I don't know, Tyreek Hill's probably going to have a good game. But if he doesn't have a great game, Adams can. And Adams is pretty low ownership against this Colts team who we got to see. this. This is, Like the Colts team, it's either going to be one of two ways. They're going to like rally and some maybe they throw Matt Ryan in and the offense gets it back on track a little bit. Not this week, but maybe next week. Ellinger could get benched in if he plays poorly, it seems like this week. Uh, Maybe they rally somehow, or it's just an absolute train wreck of the rest of the season for the Colts. I'm hoping for the train wreck. Uh, It it might be good for Saturday to get a little bit of change in the NFL if somehow they were good, Uh, but maybe this Colts team just sort of packs it in now that they realize Jim Ursay is doing everything in that team front office in terms of coaching. Uh, GM, he, he's, he's in charge, he's the owner. Uh, but sometimes the owners need to take a step back and let actual football people make some of the decisions. But, uh, yeah, basically, that all leads me to Devontae Adams as a swerve off of Tyreek Hill. Sound good?
2: Let's walk. Yes, I'm I'm with you there. But what's wild with the Colts this year? They're kind of like the inverse of what they were last year, where they didn't make the playoffs, even though they had, I think, the third or fourth best point differential in the entire AFC. And this year, minus 51, like that's the second worst point differential in the NFL. Yet they're three, five, and one, and in second place in the AFC South. Inexplicably, man. And you start looking at those five losses, and you do wonder if you know, like, especially that Washington game, like making that move to Sam Ellinger, you know, with that phantom shoulder injury, seemingly to Matt Ryan. I don't know, man. So just—it's pretty a game clear, from top Ursa to wants
1: to lose, right? Like he wants to tank to get a good draft pick at the top.
2: For sure. But my point is, like they they shouldn't even be in tanking mode. They're in second place in a wide open division at this point. So it is what it is. But moving on uh, to, again, just a couple of GPP guys. Hey, same reasons why Deontay Johnson, again, I've already talked about the Steelers passing in, having nowhere to go but but up. Seriously, Pickett comes off and off the bench in second half against the Jets, Sauce Gardner and company, who we even saw last week can give Josh Allen problems at certain times. After that, they go into Buffalo. After that, they face the Buccaneers and Pickett gets concussed. His only easy matchup easy matchup on paper was the dolphins but that even came sunday night like in miami and what ended up being like a rainstorm by the time the fourth quarter came along who did they face before the bye in Philly, so every single matchup it's like, what would you expect from not only this offense, but really any offense? I do think against the Saints' defense, that' a bit overrated this year. We could see Pickens and or Deontay really make their way. Mentioned Tyreek and Waddle with Tua, expensive, but I do think, hey, it's a high upside and it can help differentiate things. And finally, Chris Alave versus that league worst Steelers pass defense and PPR points per game. Two wide receivers, just six point eight K. Sign me up.
1: All right, let's close this out with tight end from the cash game perspective. I w- I looked at the optimals for both the Blitz and the Roto Grinders projections right before the show, Ian, and it's doing something I never really like to do. It's playing two tight ends because there's a couple no. of cheap ones. Oh. Yeah, well, okay. it's playing two of them on DraftKings because that that lets you get the running backs you want, it lets you get the quarterback you want, it lets you get Tyree Kill, right? So like. Uh, Dolchich and Foster Moreau, these guys are going to be playing just about every snap, are going to be heavily involved in the offense. If you're not playing both, I I, I generally don't do that. I'll have to see what happens on Sunday if any more injury news comes out. Uh, but these are the two guys everyone's going to be choosing from. They're both too cheap, uh, given their roles on the current teams. Do you have a favorite between the two? Moreau is $200 less than
2: Dolchich. I lean Dolchich. Um, it's a decent strategy, though, man. I mean, just Yeah, I'm. I'm starting to talk me into it because just it's a ten.
1: It's a a ten game slate, right? And there's just there's no value right now, and there's no good players playing really. So just go get the guys you know are going to get you a bunch of fantasy points.
2: Yeah, because I, I didn't see the pathway to – I didn't see anyone uh, – I was wanting to roster that cheap at running back or wide receiver. So, hey, I don't hate it, man. Foster Moreau, you're not kidding, man. Over 90% of the routes, uh, you know, two weeks ago or whatever they played last without there. Waller, obviously, he's not coming back. And taking Hunter Renfro out of that, you know, short to intermediate area of the field should only mean good things there as well. So, I do give Dolces just the uh, slight lean. I do think he's, you know, the more talented pass catcher and with all those Titans injuries, uh, you got that going for him third most receiving yards in NFL history among any tight end in their first three games. So that's good. Unfortunately, probably can't go any cheaper. Harrison Bryant was supposed to be the guy in David Njoku's absence. Unfortunately, only ran a route on 41% of Jacoby's uh, dropbacks last time they were out there to get extra gross, man. I will say in that Giants game, you're talking about pivoting, pivoting off of Damian Pierce, the one Giants guy getting no love, no love because Daniel Bellinger saw the eye injury. Tanner Hudson, 82% 82% route participation rate. That is elite, And He is down there at just 2600 And the other note, I would say Kylan Granson down there at $2,600. they are gross. I get it, but they're 2600 And if you look at the Colts injury report, Mo Cox and Jelani Woods weren't able to practice throughout this week. So the Colts have always been an offense, at least they were under Frank Reich, that really got their tight ends consistently involved. It's always just been this three-headed mess where it doesn't go to one guy. Might actually be Kylan Granson. So again, I think Foster and um oh my gosh, Foster and Dolchich. Uh, do- Dolchich, thank you. I think they're cheap enough that you probably don't have to go all the way down, but if you do Tanner Hudson and Kylan Grantson, they're gonna actually be on the field all the time, which is all you can really ask for with a near mid-price tight end.
1: Yeah, and I did say uh Jelani Woods did just get ruled out uh for Sunday for okay. sure. Uh all right, tournaments. I know you're on Dalton Schultz for sure. Me and you both yep. got the over prop. He's been playing pretty well and no Like Every dollar counts if you want to get Tyreek Hill or Cooper Cup or Saquon Barkley, et cetera, into your lineup this week. Uh, So I don't think Schultz is going to get too high of ownership. Anyone else you're really looking at? This dude, Travis Kelsey, I don't think anybody. Maybe in tournaments, I get it, but no no one's going to touch him in cash. Uh, But for tournaments, paying up for Kelsey uh, certainly makes a lot of sense because, I mean, who else can you look at that can get 10, 11 receptions, 100-plus yards, and two, three touchdowns at tight end positions? Literally nobody
2: you're not wrong. Also, quick news. Colts did end up placing Shaquille Leonard on injured reserve with that aforementioned back injury. So Josh Jacobs to the moon, baby. But yeah, Dalton Schultz right there. And hey, you said it, man. It's so tough to get those dollars this week. So why not go get Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, always capable of breaking that slate. And, you know, 7.8K, we do see this sometimes where they get pretty close to treating Kelsey as a true number one wide receiver. But still a pretty big difference between Kelsey and guys, you know, like Devonte Jefferson. Hopkins and all that so if you just think of Kelsey more so as a wide receiver like don't you know don't be afraid to overpay up for Kelsey I guess just because of that price tag relative to tight ends because we know he has the workload of a wide receiver so if you wanted to really do two tight ends in a tournament lineup I think going really low on those guys and then bring him back with Kelsey that I, I wouldn't expect too many lineups to have that pairing.
1: all right that's going to do it for the week 10 edition of the pro football focus fantasy show here on Rotogrinders. Grinders Thanks to Ian for joining me. As always, we got to get out of here. Uh, Click the like button on YouTube on the way out, uh, either if you're watching live or on uh, delay. Uh, It would be greatly appreciated. Thanks to everyone for watching. For Ian, I'm Britt. We outcha.